We're back now Thursday morning on KID. Neil Larson along with Julie Mason. Yeah, and we've got an important issue facing Idaho. There's a lockdown happening on the Salmon Chalice um, wilderness area. And Dorothy Moon is joining us. She's the District 8 representative from that area. Good morning, Dorothy. Thanks for joining us. Well, hi, Julie. Neil, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, it's good to have you with us today. So lay this out for us. In fact, we've taken up a, a couple of environmental issues recently with the steelhead uh, fishery and, and all of that. There's kind of a threat coming to your district, so lay that out for us. Okay, and you're right on the steelhead. I received dozens and dozens of emails, and it does impact a lot of folks in salmon, so thanks for taking that on for us. Um, The issue I want to talk about is the new... uh, planning effort for the Salmon Chalice Forest, which has been going on for about two years now. Um, And uh, the issue is that originally the folks that were providing all the input on this plan were the environmental groups and what's called a collaborative. So we really didn't have our multiple users, our ranchers, our miners, our loggers involved in this planning effort. So after a couple of town hall meetings and receiving input from them, their voices were not being heard. So last winter, I created a group called the Lemhi Custer Grassroots Advisory with no intention to run it, but to at least get the ball rolling to where we have a coordinator, a Lemhi County chair, and a Custer County chair, and they are now providing input uh, at an alarming rate, and they are working very hard. You know, I, and and I, I want to get dive into this issue, but I had another thought come to mind. I know in Fremont County, Island Park, there was a big controversy about these wildlife crossings. Idaho Transportation Department wanted to spend something like $22 million. They put it to a vote in, in that impacted area, and the voters repudiated it overwhelmingly. Mm-hmm. Can something similar happen in your district where the voters could weigh in and and say, yeah, here's what we think about this idea? And, and the folks have weighed in on it. Um, every meeting I've had, I, I'll say, how many of you want more wilderness and wild and scenic? No hands go up. And we're talking an average of 80 people at these meetings in both communities. And, and, and so what we have are wilderness study areas, which more or less is treated like wilderness. So it's going to restrict access. And we already have, the, it's the largest forest in Idaho. Yep. So we have 4.2 million acres, and we already have 1.2 locked up in the Frank Church and other wilderness areas. They're looking at another 2.79, million, two point seven, uh, 2.8 million. Yeah. And the 1.2 plus that we already have, we're pretty much locking up the entire salmon chalice forest. Now, when you say locking up, what what does that mean? What kind of access would be allowed? Okay, so, so when you designate for wilderness or wilderness study area, what we're looking at, grazing. So cows may not be, they, they will probably yep. be restricted from there. Uh, we would also have mining uh, that would be restricted. And when you look at, and I'm sorry, I don't have the map today, but I will send it to you. But the mapped areas, Thompson Creek Mine, Hecla Mine, uh, Meridian Cobalt and Lemhi, when you look at all of the mines that have been going under permitting process or our current active mines, our economy is falling right into this these wilderness areas. A wilderness area, if, if you remember, is, is pretty much defined as an area that hasn't been trampled by man, no roads and that sort of thing. Yeah. There's roads to mines. There's, there's roads that are used for by recreationalists going from the Custer Museum to Chalice on the, uh, the motorway, the Chalice motorway. These are what we're, they're looking at in putting in wilderness, and, and it, it truly cannot happen. So who wants to do this? 
this, this is the Forest Service has put okay. this plan together. We had plans from 87 and 88 for each respective forest. And now they're combined, and they never followed those plans. Those plans were great. Mm-hmm. Open up roads, good for firefighting, good for access, wood retrieval, uh, more more uh, cattle, more AUMs, and, and it just ha- didn't happen. So they never implemented that plan. So now we're in a rush to get a plan. Uh, it, the normal process it takes about five years. They want to get it finished in four. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we need to slow the boat down. I know on the wild and scenic, they are setting up review of different rivers. Well, I live up the Yankee Fork. That's the old gold mining dredge piles from long ago. And uh, I asked to be on the review committee. And I told them when I would be there, and they did it without me or Hecla Mining or people from the dredge camp who lived there, so there was no public input. It's kind of like a planning and zoning issue. If you're going to be impacted by a wild and scenic designation, you better be able to provide input. So why didn't they bring the stakeholders to the table then? Uh, That's my concern. That is is why, as a legislator, I'm very concerned because we're looking at hurting the livelihoods of so many people. And when you look at Custer County, where I live, 3% is private inholdings. 3% of our tax, you know, 3% of that area where people live are providing the taxes for the services that we need. And, and you know, and we're seeing our private inholdings being bought up by conservative groups and then given to the Forest Service or the BLM. We're losing tax revenue, and this has got to stop. It, they, it just needs to stop. Oh, go ahead. Okay, so if you're fighting this war, what's the best thing you can do? You're you're mounting a plan, right? Tell us what your plan is. How are you going to carry forward? You bring in this to the table, letting people know about it. But what do you do after that? Well, the the plan is is that it's supposed to be the Forest Service planning efforts are supposed to look at multiple use, and multiple use means recreation and of course all the economies I've already talked about: mining, logging, and ranching. And right now, those three. Those three parts of the pill, uh, you know, the table, the legs of the table are not even really being addressed. Everything is being focused right now on wilderness and wild and scenic. So the thing is, is that if if your folks, your listening audience, use the salmon chalice force, they should be very concerned that their part of this public lands playground is going to be shut off to them. What about hunting? That's a huge issue. And hunting is a huge issue. And again, uh, you know. I really, truly believe that our public land managers have deliberately been closing off, and everybody knows this, been gating off access and closing off roads so that they've been doing that for decades. So now they can come up and say, you know, there's no roads back there. People aren't accessing it. We can make it wilderness. So to me, this plan has been laid out, and I had the epiphany the other day, wow, this, this is just remarkable. So you say they've been closing off access, and I've heard the exact oh. same thing that they have, but but by whose authority? I mean, how did they just put that gate up and lock it? I they mean, can't. The Forest Service and the BLM, they can do that. And they'll, they'll use some uh, environmental reason that they need to, or, um, you know, to me, they should be remain, remaining open for fi- fighting fires. But we know, we yeah. all know they don't fight fires anymore. They heard right. fires. They heard them into the Frank Church. Yeah. So, so I guess that's what was kind of interesting. Why would you want more wilderness just just to run fires to it? It's not like our wildernesses are, are these beautiful, pristine areas. They're a wreck. Yeah. They're overgrown. We're burning them up. You know, it, it's not something I would want to see all of our Idaho uh, public lands put into wilderness. Of course, we've had a very nasty fire year, especially in, in California. 
everybody on the left says, oh, it's climate change. And people on the right are saying, no, you're not managing the forest right. Mm -hmm. You're letting them get overgrown. There's too much fuel there. And so they look more catastrophic. What happens if this ha if this were to take place? What happens to the forest management? I mean, could could people still get in there and get a firewood permit? Or I mean, it just I, what what you're you're smiling now. Let, let me put it to, to you this <laughs> like way: I'm, it's a naive question. Be, for before me to ask. they even do the plan, they do what's called the assessment. So all of the Forest Service people get together and they get their maps and lay them all out. Get, we had 400 acres out of 4.2 available to cut firewood. 400 out of 4.2 million? Got it. 400. Was I, there were 400 acres identified in the original assessment that we could cut for firewood. Now, does that make any sense with the fuel loads that we have in these forests? Not Smoke that we're choking on. We're killing our people. COPDs, you know, on the rise. It, it is unbelievable to me. We need to remove those fuel loads. And even where I live, in a very, very rural part of the forest, surrounded by forests, people aren't getting up there cutting wood. There used to be folks from Idaho Falls up there cutting wood all the time, but they make yeah. it so difficult now, or they limit to you certain to certain areas. We're talking with Representative Dorothy Moon. Uh, she is representative for District 8. Uh, how long have you been representing that district? Uh, this this is my third year, so my second okay. term, but my third year. Okay, so you you've actually seen the Obama administration versus the Trump administration, and any any changes or softening of their approach at all with this new president? Huge. Uh, in fact, this year, a group of legislators from Idaho and Utah were guests out at the White House, and all of the cabinet heads had either themselves, like uh, Rick Perry for Department of Energy, uh, was the our first speaker. They would come and talk to us and said, "We want to get out of your." way. We want to get out of the way of the state legislators and your governor to do what's best for the people of Idaho. We're talking economically. We want to remove those barriers, those regulations that are prohibiting, you know, prosperity. Yep. So so the Trump administration, from what I understand, this is the first time any president, uh, at least with our legislators who have been around for 20 plus years, that they have ever been invited to hear what the, uh, what the president wants to do on behalf of the states. Yep. So he wants to get out of our way. So he has, and we have seen regulations being reduced, um, uh, some of the air quality standards, and, and that was primarily for the coal industries. But um, he wants to get us out, out in the woods. He wants us to clean them up again. And I think the best managers of the forest are the people who live within them, without a doubt. And to have the East Coast dictate to Idahoans what we need to be doing because they might come out here someday yeah. That's wrong. The, the, the primary source of information coming in on these plans to me should be the folks who live in, within the forest. Our listening area does dip into that legislative district, which is a really kind of a wide swath of, of uh, country up there. But I know a ton of people who are in our listening area who recreate there. So they are very much invested in that, being able to go up there and have access to those forests. What can our audience do to become involved with this? And I appreciate that. I, I know I was in Twin Falls talking, and we have problems with airstrips remaining open to access the wilderness that we currently have. Uh, when I, uh, if you can, go to my website, dmoon, for Dorothy Moon, dmoon at house.idaho.gov. And if you're really interested and concerned about what's going on on these planning efforts, and we would appreciate anyone's input, uh, contact me and I will put you with Dolores Ivy, who is the coordinator of both counties. And um, again, we, we have 182 people. 182 people are very concerned. And, you know, they've served, they fought hard against the Boulder White Clouds. 
They did. Uh, yeah. They fought very hard, and that just kind of slipped through after you know over a decade of effort um, on one of our com- by one of our congressmen. But the fact of the matter is, we have strategic metals in the Boulder White Clouds. We have strategic cobalt and molybdenum. Uh, these metals that we need. Um, for a multitude of things. And and once they became a strategic metal, Trump said, we need to go get them. So I, I do see uh, five, these five mines to open up soon, but they're being held up by the permitting process, by the Forest Service or yeah. the BLM. Um, I, and I don't mean to put them on the spot at all, but uh, Senators Crapo and Risch, obviously this is a federal issue. Have they weighed in on this at all? Uh, I did talk with uh, Senator Risch's um, lobbyist when I was at the Western Caucus meeting uh, just a few days ago in Vegas. And um, of course, uh, Risch was pushing for wilderness up north, and that was defeated by a ballot uh, by the citizens there. So so I think people are just tired of it being locked up. I I wish they would get back to the fact we need to be multiple use. Um, But no, I have not had a lot of weigh in from them. But I I do know that uh, Congressman Labrador has uh, did have issues with lands being bought up by environment, environmental groups and given to the uh, Forest Service, our federal agencies. Yeah. Uh, one last question, too, because I, I think this is an important point, and I'll make the point, and then you speak to it, because I'm sure you can uh, elaborate on it. It's interesting to me that the people who live there are the most invested in making sure that those areas stay valuable mm-hmm. for the reason they're valuable. And that must be very frustrating to have bureaucrats who come in from the outside or, as you mentioned, from from the East Coast and come in and and pretend they know better than the local communities do. Mm -hmm. You depend on having a a good – and I don't mean wilderness in the the technical sense. I mean wilderness in the fact that we all love to go up there and to get away and to enjoy the outdoors. It's the people living there that are the most invested in preserving it. Right. And, and, you know, when I first ran for office, I, re- I went door to door a lot and I went and met with the businesses a lot in all my communities. The fact is their kids want to come home and there's no opportunity. When, when a lot of these folks in their 50s and 60s, they used to move line, uh, they, they would run cattle, they would go mine, but they always had all these little part time jobs in all of these different industries. But not anymore. Yep. And, and, and these people do want to live in rural Idaho. And we should give them the opportunity. We shouldn't be forcing them out. All right. Representative Dorothy Moon uh, joining us this morning, Legislative District 8. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it.